the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So proud and excited to sponsor The Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to The Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com. Or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live lead. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are in the saddle. Thank you for joining us, folks. This is The Bible Live, the quiz show, your chance to uh, call in this evening for the next 90 minutes and answer some questions. We'll be uh, in our reading schedule. We have read... Uh, our schedule, at least for this particular week, we end, we finish the books of First and Second Kings, uh, and we'll have some questions for you from Second Kings chapter twelve through twenty-five, and then we're jumping back in into the uh, Christian scriptures, the New Testament, uh, after the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Now we're moving into. One of the great, great, great transition books of the Bible, probably, uh, as they would say, the mother of all transitions. This is uh, this was a time uh, there in the first century with the coming of Messiah, with the coming of Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, it, it just um, boy, so many things happened. Uh, it, it, it was the most amazing transition, and there's so many aspects of it. We're going to look them over tonight and try to talk about them a bit as we begin our discussion of the book of the Acts, this book of history from the New Testament, which re, which um, records the, the history, the birth of the 
uh, this movement that that grew up behind Jesus of Nazareth and how that message of, of uh, the Messiah, it, it's actually, it's not a new message at all. It's, it's, it had been around for centuries. It, it is the, the message of Judaism. It's the message of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the message of the Tanakh, the Old Testament. So it wasn't, in a sense, anything new at all. But the way it rolled out, the way it happened, and you know, maybe we can ask the question, was it just by accident or was this by design? Is There some, There seems to be passages of Scripture that intimate that it was, uh, or hint at the fact that it was, um, that it was purposeful, that this was... Uh, predicted that this this breach this division this uh separation and with the coming of messiah this amazing sort of transition was something that was uh predetermined and pre you know to be expected i don't know i'm a little confused about it but i am so so very happy to jacob's back with us this evening jacob uh, let's make sure your microphone is up and running are you gonna say 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 hello soapy hello I do that again because I don't think I see your microphone. Can you hear me? Nope, cannot, John. So we're going to have to do something there technically. Um, welcome, welcome back, Jacob. To, to I don't hear you. I don't. Oh, I see. There we go. Now can you hear now me? Now we can hear okay, you. Okay, thank you. It That's, took the. I thought we were staying traditional. Yeah, we were. That's the way we always start the program. Can you hear me now? I can't hear you. Well, folks, thanks for joining us. This is The Bible Live. This is Soapy, and uh, Jacob is here with us giving us that perspective of the Scriptures that tonight will be really, really especially appreciated. Uh, that I, I find the book of Acts, I, I don't know, Jacob, I know you've you know read the Gospels in you know, all the New Testament and so on. The, do you have any kind of special regard or thought or interpretation or understanding uh, from the Hebrew, from the Jewish perspective of the Jewish people and the history and tradition and language and all that, is this as a dramatic a moment, you know, in history as kind of we get? Maybe for a different reason, but it is astounding what happened in that first well, century. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, let's face it. Because of the New Testament, because of Jesus, the entire world has changed. It, Yeah, it's just, it, it, it just... And I want us to establish that link tonight. I want us to establish that link between. I don't want us to. I, I want to help our listeners. Uh, you know, most of us are, are Gentile listeners. We're solidly Christians. You know, I'm. I'm an Apache Indian. You know, we. Are, I, I didn't know. I mean, I knew the Old Testament. I read the Old Testament as a child. Grew up wrote, reading it and learning it and knowing it. But I don't think even then I. It was all. It's. It's just totally all about Jesus. The everything began with him, and 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 that's that's natural and good for us as particularly as us as Gentiles because that was our introduction. He's the one that, you know, we heard this gospel message and all. But the more and more you see that it, that he he re, it didn't it didn't start with Jesus. It started long even in the Garden of. I mean, it, I like to see that sense of continuity. That sense of continuation and that that uh, in fact uh that we are really a continuation of that of that hebrew revelation you know abraham isaac and jacob and on into egypt and from egypt the 12 tribes and on to the time of the judges and the times of the kings and the times of the fall of uh you know to nineveh the 10 northern tribes i want us to see the historical the, the narrative of the whole bible 
And the book of the book of Acts is when it, it when it changes. And I and I have a couple of questions for you about it in that sense too, Jacob, in terms of uh how God's plan, how God's redemptive plan the re- the revelation that God gave us of himself and his redemptive plan, how it rolled out, how it actually it was progressive. Yeah, you know, we I mean we know things now, of, you know, according to the book of Hebrews, look at chapter 12, it talks about how, uh, and how God, well, chapter 1, God spoke in times past through the prophets and all this, but now here we have this blazing light of the radiance of, you know, God's son is the idea who took on flesh, and now we have the the image of the invisible God in, in his character and so on. And what I'm trying to say is that we, we know more now, we have this wealth of information, and re- we understand the revelation more completely now because looking back on it, than many who look forward. I guess, I don't know if we know it better or if it's just different, but it seems like the, the revelation that God gave expanded and grew and and became more clear and sharper and more abundant as the human race grew. Have you ever thought of that? that it, well, looks like a, I, it looks like there's I, a timing I, to it. I personally think it's because that what you're looking at is the Hebrew literature form has to do by telling stories. Mm-hmm. So if there hadn't been an understanding of a Messiah coming, mm-hmm. uh, there's no place that teaches in the New Testament that there's going to be a Messiah. There's just an understanding. Oh, it's him. Well, yeah. the question is, how do they know? Oh, it's him. Well, it's because something is coming from that everybody understood, but they, the Jews are understanding it from the stories as it expanded, as you say, progressively to the non-Jewish world. They had to have Latin, Greek, you know, and other languages that kind of spelled it out without telling the story. And so they, because there's nobody where it says, nobody in the New Testament says, a Messiah, what the heck is that? Nobody says that. Isn't that, that's one, my wife recently asked me why I started using the term Jesus the Messiah. And I started using the word Messiah more instead of Christ. Because I, 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 even when we're teaching, you know, the thousands of young men and women out at Lackland Air Force Base, who are kind of, many of them are, are believers. They come from the towns and cities and churches all across America. And many of them have a commitment to Christ. They believe. But so often, I, I'm not sure so many of them understand that the word Christ is not Jesus' second name. <laughs> it's Mr. not like Mr. Smith or Davis. Yeah, you know? Mr. Christ. Mr. Christ, yeah. But I, and I'm not sure all of them understand that the word Christ is I know the a, Greek. I know a Jewish guy that came from South Africa. And when he was growing up, he would go past, you know, like Catholic churches and other churches. And he could never understand as a little boy why Jesus was wearing a gold plate on his head. <laughs> and he, he, the halo, right? A halo. And he kept asking people. He told me the story. He said, I kept asking people, why is he wearing a plate on his head? And you because, kept telling him. Well, no, it's because, of course, he's much older now and he understands. But the idea was that he was looking at it as a plate. And, of course, we understand it's a picture, a halo. Now, there's the point. Because uh, the exactly Christians the understood point. exactly what that picture was of, but an outsider is going to look and say, well, why is it wearing a plate? All right, so the idea is in the Jewish scriptures and the literature, those stories were teaching of the coming of a Messiah. Because like I say, there's nowhere that I know of in the New Testament that you know that's predominantly about Christians. Right. Nobody says, well, what is a Messiah? What are you talking about? They seem to know that, but when that got over to the people who have a different style of literature, they had to spell it out. I'll give you another good example. 
the the commandments and okay. the first five books there's 613 613 and what is it Leviticus Deuteronomy right or which one is it that there's 613? No, it's Leviticus. It, it t- well, it takes all five to make the 613. Oh, okay. Six, six plus one is seven plus three, ten, ten commands. Ten, so if you yeah. look at the ten commands and you know the Hebraic way of looking at it, you can derive the 613. But the point is this. They're not listed. If this was originally written by a Greek guy or perhaps a Latin guy or in America, we'd put a chapter in there where we just list them. <laughs> but the Hebraic way of writing was not that way. You have to go through all over in here to read and get what the commandments are. So they don't it's make a, a story. It's an illustration yeah. here and there. Right. And even in the Talmud, everybody's familiar with that. Uh-huh. That's nothing more than a Jewish commentary. Like there's lots of Christian commentaries. And they can have a conversation over centuries because one guy will go in and talk about this verse. Maybe 300, oh, yeah. one, 300 years later, another guy yeah. comes and adds to it. New Testament commentaries, if you put them all together, wouldn't even be a fraction of the Talmud. Isn't the Talmud kind of like, oh, it's actually, a, it's, it's a whole wall it's of books. It's a wall and of books, sure. Because you've been keeping that commentary they built, for They what? built the first wall. A thousand years or so. <laughs> and uh, did Mexico pay uh, for it? Uh, uh, no. Okay. No. Uh, but, but I will say, so what you got is... Um, <laughs> is that you've got that, but they're not listed, even in the Talmud. If I say, hey, tell me something about the Messiah, you're not going to find a section. You've got to go to all different kind of sections because that's their literature. But when this gets over into Greek, Latin, that kind of stuff, they yes. have to say it concretely instead of giving an illusion or a story. I, I've got a theory about that, and I want to ask you about it. Not a theory, really. It's okay, more of an ask me about your theory? <laughs> I'm going to ask you about my theory. But but part of part of it uh, has to do with that, folks. Give us a call if you'd like to sound off on this a little bit three four zero ninety five eighty five. But I'm going to take a moment as we start introducing the book of Acts. Well, uh, don't we want to do a little bit out of Kings first? Yeah, we are going to do some Kings too. But I want to ask kings you about too. this because it I'm, is Second Kings, so it's Kings too. Yeah, Kings too. As, as Trump said, hey, in uh, Chronicles number two. Now I was we were reading something even. Uh, it seems like week or week before from the kings jacob and there was this there was a passage i meant to mark it and i meant to make a note of it myself because it was another uh, verse i think it was actually from the book of kings Uh that seemed to hint or to say that 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 the revelation of god was purposeful that there was an, an intent and purpose in other words what we're saying here is that God established the human race for a certain purpose from the very beginning. The idea was to draw out a people for himself. Okay, we see that from Genesis in the Garden of Eden and the the human race expands and all this. So there's this idea that the human race is going to grow and expand. They're going to fill the earth and multiply. And as the the human race expands, now we have 7 billion people on the planet today. And the idea is that as that human race... And every one of them are wanting dignity. Can you believe that? Yes, isn't that amazing? Yes, every one every of single them, one of them. Every one of them, including myself. We all think we matter and we're important. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, exactly. It is fascinating. Why, where do we get that? You know, that each of us uh, has a, you know, that we're we're a being, that we are valuable, that we're worthy. We're, uh, it, it is, it's part of, what is it that God has placed eternity in our hearts? See, that God-shaped vacuum in each of our hearts. But what I wanted to say is that, okay, so God has his plan, and he's laying it out to men and women. Of course, his first, firstly, it was to the whole human race. But in Genesis 12, he picks up with this man named Abraham, and he begins what we call special revelation, not just 
the sun, the moon, the earth, the stars, and the seasons, and the wind, and the waves, and the oceans that everybody had. Uh, but in chapter 12 of Genesis, which wasn't that long after Adam and Eve, right? We're not, uh, it wasn't long after the creation uh, in the beginning of the race, uh, in Noah and so on, the, the flood. But then you have this special revelation where God begins to, not only the people have general revelation, but they have this word, uh, this Abraham begins to tell his people and they grow and they become a nation, a people group, and they and they, Israel, in that sense, God's people there, became, they became the recipients and the, the, what do you call it, the, the container of this message, of this, this truth about the tr- well, one true you, living God. you know God. the old story among the Jews? Mm-hmm. Okay, so first, you know, uh, like at Mount Sinai when he gave the commandments, first he goes to the Greeks and says, you guys want the Ten Commandments? <laughs> and the good. Greeks say, does this mean we can't have other gods? And God said, yeah, that means that. And they said, nah, we don't want it. So he goes to the Romans, and they say, does that mean we can't rob, pillage, and rape, and all that kind of thing? And God said, yeah, it means that too. And he said, no, we don't want it. So finally he works his way down to the Jews. <laughs> and he says, listen, you're the last guys, and you're the smallest nation. Do you want the the Ten Commandments? And they said, is it free? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> finally someone was it. Well, that, that's the idea. Is here they... Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this people group, get, and you become the recipients. You become the uh, the bowl of this of the, of this message of the one true and living God, and and, tr- how to, and the Creator, and so on. And you become the conduit. You become the the ones who are there to keep this message and to hold it, and to, in a, in a monotheistic world, an idolatrous world, in a wicked world, in a, all kinds of. Uh, sin and wickedness and perversions and error of thought and so on. This little tiny people group became it. Huh. You you held on to that message, you, you know. And of course, it wasn't a hundred percent. You you messed up. You you stumbled and fell, and you know just. But still, God used you guys as that instrument of revelation to keep the vision alive of the true and living God. You had you had the Assyrians up in the north, you had the Babylonians, you had the uh, what you know Damascus, you had the Egyptians in the south. All these you're right in the big middle of the human race. But then all of a sudden when when the human race begins to burst out of that cradle, out of that place, that's when God ups the ante. He in he bring all of that revelation you guys had. That's when the Antichrist, Antichrist came along. <laughs> no, that's what. Well, uh, it's my theory, at least. That huh. it, 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 in other words, see, there's this verse in chapter four of Galatians I've always liked, and it says, um, th- uh, "Think of it as, uh, they, um, blah 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 blah." Uh, let me read the whole th- context so people get, think of it this way: If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children. Those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They're waiting for the become of a majority of age so that they can the, the inheritance becomes theirs. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age the father has set. We understand that. And, you see, and that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. And then it, look at this. But when the right time came, mm-hmm. God sent his son, born of a woman, which was predicted in Genesis, I, I, the seed of the woman, will, I will put, and he said, subject to the law. In other words, from the, from the Jewish people, uh, uh, subject to the law. Um, when the right time came, 
God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And it goes on from there. But the point I want to emphasize is in the right moment, at just the right time historically. And that's the setting we have for the book of Acts. Messiah comes. He lives out a very short life in reality, very short ministry, three, three and a half years. And, and he has this impact. But it hits at this golden moment, this uh, this time when... For the first time, there was, you know, the Pos Romana, Pothrom, um, P- Roman peace. They, they, there was this time where they controlled the world, and they, they the Roman roads. They built these roads, and every seventy miles they had a garrison. You know, they kept it was safe for Paul and others to travel and, and you know, commerce and, and so on. Have you been to Rome? Yes, uh, I, and you're right. They have Roman roads. Roman roads, and uh, still. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and they roam all over the place. And they roam everywhere. But the yes. truth is, is that you ever heard the saying, "All roads lead, lead to, Rome? to Rome." Yeah. Do you know why they say that? I thought it was because it was true, but okay. Ah, uh, well, it, in a way, it is true. But the reason is because when the Romans built the roads, they were for military purposes, and that was so they could go to a country. But they never built a road that connected one country to another country they conquered because then they would be able to make allies. <laughs> so okay. all roads from each country they conquered went only to Rome. So all the Roman could send Rome. their soldiers. How, I never knew that. See, those, that's a, that, in, that insight, that perspective that I like on that. But the same thing, we have, we have Roman peace that established at least an environment as of peace and stability. As long as the Romans were in charge and collected all the money, yeah, yeah. it was peaceful. There was peaceful. And that was an era in which at least because of that, there was there was relative peace in the in the civilization in the world civilization at least in that part of the world which is uh, was the focus was on that now there's always China and over there and I've always kind of wondered about that India and other cultures but you had Roman peace you had Roman roads and then you had for the first time you had this uh, lingua franca they called the common language it came from the Greeks when under Alexander when they conquered uh, the Greek culture and language became. Kind of like America, but but like English has become almost in our era. We almost have a lingua franca in the world today, where the language of commerce and the language of you know. Isn't that funny? We call it English is the common language, and yet we use another language to describe it. It's a franca. <laughs> yeah, Latin for lingua franca. So, but you had a, you had a, you had Roman roads, Ro- a Roman peace, Roman roads, and you had this common language for the first time. You. And then the golden thing, I think the thing that's so much more dramatic, and I wanted to ask you about it, was the phenomenon, this amazing little thing, and you may be surprised, called the synagogue. That's a Greek word. But, but tell me about the, the history. Yeah. When, did, when did Israel, was it with the destruction of the, the first temple? In the dispersion? When it became popular, yes, because uh, after the destruction of the central place of worship, the temple. In five, five, 586 B.C. Uh-huh. Uh, well, and the Romans, of course. In 70, yeah. In 70, yeah. So what happens is is that they have to have places to conduct the services. And quite frankly, Judaism was in a real tough spot because the religion was built around the temple. Now the temple's gone. Now what do they do? And so they had to set up their own places. And there's a famous story. The names don't mean anything. But uh, they uh, they actually made a deal 
There's a lot of Jews today that have the last name Alexander. Did you know that? Is that right? No. Well, it's because they made a deal with Alexander the Great when he came marching in with his army. The story goes that he had a dream. I remember this. When he approached Jerusalem, right? right? Uh, yes. That, that somehow there was something that yeah. he, well, he had somehow had he respected that city. He claimed, he claimed that he'd had a dream the night before and that somebody's going to come up. And, and so he made a peace with them. And he let them to take their Bible, biblical scholars to another city. The name's really... Alexandria? No. No, no, no. It's a place in Israel. But, and for that trade-off to let them conduct their religion and go take all their biblical scholars to this other city, a lot of them, as a matter of honor and respect, changed their last name to Alexander. So today... There's many Jews that still carry the last name Alexander. Wasn't Jerusalem in that era, and because of that very history that I cited a while ago, wasn't, uh, it seems to me that because the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, had been so faithful and loyal and stubborn, you might say in some ways, to this idea of one, they were this bastion of monotheism in the middle of a polytheistic time, world. At you that know? time in the world. And they held on That's to that. Right. There was no country in the world that had monotheism except the Jews. Everybody else had a multiplicity of gods and different things. And you know, that's just how it was. But they actually, this little tiny country, had monotheism. Now, uh, but, but, but you say, you'd think if it's a little tiny, insignificant, but, but there seemed to be this, this reservoir of respect for that one little country. There was some, and I think it was because they, they had been there so hundreds of years, and under the Assyri- you know, under when Damascus was big, these are under the Babylonians, under the Egyptians, under the uh, Medo-Persians, mm-hmm. uh, through it all, they stuck in there, and they and it became known as a, they became known for that, didn't they? The people oh, of the yeah. one God. The, the in tr- the Jewish world, uh, contrary to popular thought, the most sought-after thing to be even today is. Not a multi-billionaire or anything in business. Believe it or not, it's to be a Torah scholar. Now, every culture has their own aspirations. Like, perhaps we'd like to be basketball players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the in the Jewish world, uh, the best thing you can arise to is a Torah scholar. I thought you were going to see a salesman or a banker or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah, and that's a and that's the a common perception. Scholar. Yeah, and and that is that's a value with well, it. But see, I think y'all have been doing that for so many centuries, and, and I think you came to stand for, in a way, the true and living God. You, your great prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the, the, the postures that they took, uh, many of the times the prophets were not just teaching to Israel. They were speaking to Babylon. They were speaking to Nineveh, you know, like Jonah. And other, they were speaking to these other s- countries around them, and, and, and you had been, and, and like Daniel. Daniel, boy, y'all reaped a great deal of world esteem and respect under this prophet Daniel who served under five world emperors, you know. And so so y'all came to stand for that. What I'm trying to say is that here you were, but but I want to go back to my question. Did the synagogue, was there a historic moment when the, in 586 B.C., when when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed uh, Jerusalem and, and the walls were torn down and they were burned and, and you were scattered, the dispersion. The, is that when they began to have, instead of worshiping at the temple, they had to, wherever they, were, wherever they fled to, some fled down into Egypt, some fled over into Greece, some fled, you know, different places. They established 
what is called a synagogue, and it was for any time there were 12 Jewish males, any time there were, is that right, 12, uh, 10 Jewish males of 12 years of age and over, uh, um, uh, adults, right. I would yes, say. Yes. Any time there were 10 who were 12 years of age and over mm-hmm. in a community or something, they, they, they had to or they were encouraged to, or I don't know what the word is, they had to establish a teaching center for reading the Torah, for studying the Torah, and for worship, right? Is that the yeah, way it the happened? the first things the Jews always did was build a, a cemetery and a school. And the school would be a yeshiva to teach the Torah. The reason they had to have a cemetery because people die, mm-hmm. so they had to have a place to put them. But since you mentioned that, actually, just jumping ahead a tad, uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse, uh, yeah, yeah. let's see, verse 15. Uh-huh. It says there were a hundred and twenty gathered there. Right? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. In the in the uh, first chapter, of, yeah, the the coming the the, the hundred and twenty. They that Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem, and so they did. And they were probably in that same upper room where they'd had the um, Passover says, meal, at right? This time Peter stood up, in the midst of his brethren, okay. in a gathering, and there was a hundred and twenty. Now, uh-huh. making an example of what you said about the ten men. Uh huh. You see, what you've got is 10 men from each of the 12 tribes. That's why you have 120. Ah, okay, okay. That's very, that was an insight or a perspective I never would have thought of, and that would be, that's your value to us, is helping us see these things through those eyes and uh, as you would see it. Okay, so you have 120, 10 times 12, or the 12 tribes. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the, so it, this it, is a national... The word is minion. You have mm-hmm. to have ten for a official. You can pray anytime, do anything you want, even by yourself. But if you want to have an official meeting, you got to have at least ten. And that's called synagogue. What does the word synagogue well, synagogue mean? Synagogue is just a Greek word for an assembly. Uh huh. Okay. It's just like church and is the same. Yeah. Ecclesia. Yeah. Uh, so that's all it is. But the 120 is that what they're telling you by that number is they're saying this is a national referendum, not just one tribe. A group of people. It's national. Very interesting. Well, so this, but but I want to stay on this idea of the synagogue. You'll see why and in a I moment. D- I want you to stay there. Oh, I wonder. So did it? Would would it be safe to say, or right to say, or I could, that it kind of came into being after the the Babylonian? Because it, until then they had the temple, and they people made it went began, to the temple. I would say it's fair to say that it began after the Babylonians. It really blossomed, you might say, after the Romans. After the Romans. Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you talk, take this verse from Galatians that said just in the right moment uh-huh. and you ask yourself, what made that moment so special is, like I said, Roman peace, stability. I think they wrote a song about it called This Magic Moment. moment. That's it. The magic moment. Uh, the Roman peace, uh-huh. stability in the world. There was Roman roads for the travel was safe. I mean, it, Paul, several times we read about in the Paul and his excursion and mission trip, he was saved by Romans that. Uh, several times they were they were attacked and they were stoned or arrested, right. and because of his Roman citizenship, they were they were protected and he was free to keep on preaching. Yeah, he had all Very the bases covered. Yeah, and he, he, and did. he didn't. Uh, he did not mind working the audience that he's in front of. That's exactly right. Jews, he was Jewish. Yeah, and Romans, he was Roman. That's exactly. Right. It's kind of like me. I'm a cowboy and an Indian. You know, so I'm. Uh-huh. You got to play both sides when you can. You know. Yeah. Well, so you have Roman peace, Roman uh, roads for travel and for safety, and then you have 
this language that he could, wherever he went, Thessalonica, Thessalonica or up into the region of Galicia or over, over in, you know, into Corinth and whatever city he went into, there was this common bond. And, Help me see. and there was one other factor when he went into all those cities, these new cities, uh, we could name them in the book of Acts as we start through them. Where did Paul go? What was the first place he checked into? And it, surprisingly, it wasn't always the local jail. It was ah, some other get, place I he went to. Yeah. And he went there because there was a potted plant. Yeah. There was a soil there ready to receive his message, uh-huh. very uniquely ready to see, right. receive his message. And when you get, we come back, we'll, I want to keep talking about that, but we'll open up the phone lines. I promise, folks, don't okay. go away. 340-9585. At Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. If you lease office, retail, or warehouse space for your business, the last thing you want to do is overpay the landlord. But it happens every day. Hi, I'm Scott McMurray and president of Bottom Line Realty Advisors. We work with business people who want an effective strategy for their next real estate decision. Whether leasing or buying, it affects your bottom line. Your landlord has representation, and you should too. Even if you're a good tenant with no plans to move at all, you're the most vulnerable to getting a really bad deal. We only represent our clients, never landlords, so we have no conflict of interest. We stay on your side. Call me, Scott McMurrian, at 210-535-7800, and we'll negotiate from a position of strength. BottomlineRealtyAdvisors.com Bottomline Realty Advisors We get the landlord off your bottom line Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, and with Jacob. Well, here we are, Soapy and Jacob. We're talking about the Bible, all things biblical. And we're, 
we're moving from the Hebrew scriptures, the the books of First and Second Kings. We're going to get back to those and, and throughout this the next hour here. But I was kind of setting the table as we move back to the New Testament, where we see when the Old Testament finally comes to fruition and the Messiah that's been predicted and expected so long comes, and then and then how it busts out of the seams. It kind of it just explodes out of. Uh, until then, the, the center of, of uh, monotheism, the center of truth about the creator and, the, and his redemptive plan had been kind of headquartered in that little tiny piece of land we call Israel. And then, but, but I'm picking up on the verse in Galatians 4, 4 that said, in just the right moment, in the right time in history, God sent his son. So we, we see there's this constant, there's only one redemptive plan, but there's a, the rollout, the, the revelation of that plan was progressive. And, and generational, and we knew more and more as the prophets came and added more detail and more detail and timing, and Daniel adds in, interesting information about when it would happen and so on, all these predictions, and then it happens. Boom! It, the Messiah comes, and it, it, but it's in a setting that it just seems ideal, and I was talking about this, uh, the creation of the synagogue, and uh, I was asking Jacob, is that... The timing of the synagogue was from the Babylonian times, but here you have these Jewish men and women who understood the concept of Messiah, who understood the concept of uh, of, of substitutionary atonement, uh, you know, and so on. But they had been taken, and they had to form these synagogues in in Thessalonica, in Corinth, uh, in all these cities across the Roman Empire, where they had been dispersed to as they scattered out of Jerusalem. And you read about that in, in the book of Acts as they, after the destruction of the temple. And wherever they go, then they're like a potted plant. There, there's a soil there that's receptive, that's ready to receive the message of the Messiah, of the Redeemer, of, of, of the cross, of sacrifice, of, per, of redemption. They're ready to receive it because it's, it's all been through the centuries. That's been the core, and the, as they understand it, from the Torah and so on. And then they were also ideally situated to take that message to their neighbors. They knew the language. They knew the cultural. They knew the traditions. of. They'd been living in that community. They had the relationships, the friendships, and so on. And so they were ideally situated. So I think the creation and the phenomena of the synagogue was also one of those amazing developments, Jacob, that made that first century. It, it helps explain to a great extent why the gospel was just how, why it just you know, exploded. And, and if I might add, the one thing that you're pointing out is that Paul went everywhere he went. His his station that he stopped at was the local synagogue. But what's remarkable about that, that I'm not aware of it anywhere where they said, hey, get out of here. Who are you? Yeah, you got nothing to do with us. It was always accepted because the idea of somebody explaining about biblical stuff of the Messiah was not something anybody was opposed to. Yeah, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. you know, three Jews, six opinions. But so they would listen to it even today. You could mm-hmm. listen to it. Right. And so it's not anything that should be. But nowhere that I'm aware of is uh, is that Paul rejected and said, hey, you can't talk. You can't do this. Right. So it, it's accepted. The one place I can think of is uh, in Acts. What is it? Is it 17? Yeah, where he goes to Athens. And when he mentions the resurrection rising from the dead when he mentions the resurrection of, of jesus right. they that's when they dismiss oh you're, you get out of here we don't want to hear and, but see even that was a concept wasn't that, the, that at mars hill though mars hill well, yes that, in, in athens that's itself. that's the greeks 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. They, surprisingly, they're the ones that kind of got. But he, but would that be? I think the idea of well, life Paul after was death. Obviously, a good lawyer. Yeah. Because he said to them, if you remember the passage you're referring to, he actually says to them, he says, well, I know you guys are very religious guys. I've always admired this tag. <laughs> he says, you guys, I can see just traveling through town. You guys are a bunch of religious guys. Why, you name all gods and you built altars to all these gods. In fact, you're so smart about knowing about God, you realize you might have left one out and you build an altar to the unknown God. <laughs> yeah. That's how smart you are. And I've come to talk to you about that that unknown God. <laughs> that, I, I've always thought that was funny, too. Was, yeah, I wonder if really he said out, it with a little and humor. And he kind of out-debated the Greeks who were known for their logic. Yeah. At that time, yeah. And But the point is, is that, yeah, you're right. There were a group of people predisposed to hear his message. They... You know, they were open to the idea of life after death, of even resurrection. That's that predisposition that's always been the problem, you know. I know. I know you paid a price for it as a people. You certainly did. Uh, But I think that that it's good for us as Christians to first first understand that from the pers- from the perspective of God, we're not a new thing. No, nobody. Jesus didn't no, come. Nobody, nobody in Greece and these other people knew about something called the Messiah. This was totally a hundred percent a Jewish idea. It's in an fact, expansion of the uh, Hebrew I do idea. Wanna, yeah. yeah, I do want to tell you that the uh, uh, one of the things that the diaspora, when all the Jews are scattered around the world, is at the destruction of the Second Temple, and that's that's a bad thing. But there was approximately the Romans, and I believe it was General Titus. They killed in the streets of Jerusalem almost two million, million. Mm-hmm. people in the streets. The blood was up to the horses' uh, reins, as and predicted. By the way, right? Well, there uh, were there were pictures of that in in the Old Testament about well, what would and, happen. And the Romans did this. By the Roman, by the way, the Romans had one group of allies. Do you know who they worked with them? I'm guessing it was the. Uh, uh, was it the Edomites? Or the it was the Edomites. Edomites, uh-huh. okay. Now, if you look at the Rome, word Rome, or who, who Rome, are descendants of, uh, of Esau. Of Esau, uh-huh. yeah, okay. So, in fact, Rome is considered kind of a descendant of Esau. But if you look at the words Rome and Edom, you'll see it's just the mixing of the letters. Mm-hmm. But the point is, so after they'd killed so many, Titus wrote a letter back to the Caesar. And I've not seen the letter, but I understand it still exists. And said, hey, listen, my, it wasn't out of sympathy. He said, can I stop killing these Jews now? He, and it wasn't for sympathy. They didn't mind the killing. You're just tired? They said they were tired. And he said, my men are so tired they can't lift their swords anymore. So oh. the Caesar said, okay, but you tell them they all have to leave Israel and Jerusalem. So the Jews spread out across the world. And that's how it really came about. The end that's what it's called diaspora, the dispersion. Yeah, the dispersion. It, it, but that was the second, actually. Babylonian It, it was, times. but that was the major one, and, uh-huh. uh, and that's when it took place. So they also changed the name, Rome did, of um, uh, Jerusalem to uh, Alia Capitoline. Huh. And, uh, and they, in, in other words, like capital by the sea. Uh-huh. And that's when they also, to get a little revenge, they, call, they started calling the, because uh, the Philistines had been an ancient enemy, they started calling the word Palestine. Ah, okay, and that's that, what... Because that's how it came out in mm-hmm, Latin. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this kind of gives you a context of what's going on. Excellent. And there were two Caesareas. There was a Caesarea of uh, oh, Syria up in the Chesarea, north. Caesarea, Caesar, right? Yeah, Caesar yeah, City. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's, that's some background, folks, as we move into the book of Acts. 
to understand that there was a golden moment that, that this was and it wasn't just by accident historically happened, but that uh, in my view, at least that this was the design of God. This was his timing when the right time, the book of Galatians says, Paul says in just the right moment, the, the Messiah, the Redeemer came born of a woman, born under the law, fulfilling the prophecy. And in, in other words, this was the rolling out this. And, and from that moment, I, I mean, the people of God, those who knew about the true and living God and his redemptive plan that we could have a confident, secure relationship with God through his grace and his mercy, it exploded around through the Roman Empire. And, of course, well, and that really world. is an expansion to the Romans, the Greeks, the uh, Laconians, everybody. But the idea of the forgiveness and the repentance and mercy was always embedded in Jewish thought. Always. So... It was may have been new to the people who had multi uh, uh, polytheistic peoples, uh-huh. but it wasn't new to the Jews. And I I know at another time I can probably tell you the story that you you'll recognize of when that became to be understood. But uh, did you want to do? Yeah, do well, yeah, that might be a good time. But I'm eager to hear kind of your. Uh, I've said my little spiel here about the way you. Know, that's God rolled out word. it. That's a Jewish word, spiel. Is it really? Yeah. Like Spielberg, maybe? Um, that's a toy, isn't it? A spiel? Was it a spiel? Uh, I don't know about that, but I know it's a spiel. Let me spiel. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll go. We're going to go go to Harold. Harold, don't hang up. We're going to be there in with you in a moment. But I wanted to get that kind of out of my system, Jacob, so that you would hear it. And then I'd love to hear kind of your perspective of that. Does that make sense? Is that something that's that seems well it, may, it makes sense of course and that's why i say it's part of probably god's plan because the the mission of the jews was to take the word the bible to the world yeah. let all the nations of the world yeah, praise but the true and, and god. when yeah. they kept getting their heads chopped off and bad things happening they kind of retract and said you know this may not be such an advantageous occupation so uh god so it would seem one might argue that god caused it to happen because they were saying this is not so good for us well you have uh mentioned to me in the past some passages like in romans i think where it talks about the idea that that maybe this was actually well, part there of the are, plan. there the, are people that support that sure that, that it was expanded because of what it was but i don't think i do want to just say mention i think it's true jesus purpose in coming was not to establish a new religion <laughs> that, I mean, he was, as you've often said, you're of the same religion of Jesus. That right. Jesus was. I personally think that Jesus came for the rest of the world. I think he was taking the godly, the Jewish message, if you will. But it's not Jewish. It's God's message. Yeah. He was taking it to the rest of the world, the people that... No, for whatever reason, they just couldn't be at Mount Sinai that day. They, yes, they it was busy. God's message. But it was, as I said, it had been... It was God's message, but it had been delegated to, it had been given over to um, <laughs> a blessing for which you did not ask, I'm sure, but it had been deposited in this people group, principally. Right. Uh, this this people, this Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the, the people of Israel. And of course, many, as you've mentioned to us, there were, there were hundreds of thousands of foreigners, you know, Egyptians, uh, all these different people groups, Assyrians, Babylonians, who converted who responded to the message of, of israel because because it made sense it wasn't some made-up sort of things and mythological kind of gods right. that you know are humans in in togas and so on but but i'm what i'm trying to say is that it was the it was your message it was yours 
God had given it to you well, to you be see, responsible for. Let me for suggest it. something. It may be a little difficult to grasp, but everything you know, in, like in the book of Hebrews, I believe it is, it talks about the ark or the altar, or the mm-hmm. ark uh, being an earthly symbol of what's really in heaven. Okay, so that isn't the only thing. Now, the one thing, Israel. If there is no Israel, there is no heaven. Exactly. So they always talk physical as symbolisms. So, as it says in Hebrews, that it, it's an earthly symbol of, and it even talks about Jesus being a priest in heaven, that kind of business. So it's not the only those two things, it's everything. So the idea of getting to Israel, if there is no physical example on earth of Israel, that really means there's no heaven. Now I'm going to go to the next step. Yeah, it is a picture of heaven, no well, doubt about it. here's the next step. Uh, it, and we're talking about the land in that case. The, and the, and the people, I no, would say. No, 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 talking about the land. Uh-huh. But in this case, if God made a promise of, let's say, eternal existence to the Jews, and indeed, mm-hmm. every country that's ever kicked them out, if you go back and look at the list, every one of those countries have fallen. Uh, frankly, America, a lot of people believe America has been so blessed because they as it was the promise to Abraham was treated to the Jews next. But I want to say I will bless this. those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. But here's yeah. the catch. Yes. If the Jews die and God breaks that physical promise, if they're wiped out, then there is no eternal life. Yes. I was going to say that, too. But just as the land is a picture of heaven, right. even the people, right. as a people group, their and, existence. And it had nothing to do with the people because they're, they're sinners. No, no, no. Yeah, that's but, not but what we're God's saying. promise. But just the people, yeah, God, but, but obviously. If, if but see, there are no more Edomites. There are no more well, uh, Perizzites. Well, or the, look what happened I mean, I'm talking, about it, I'm talking about identifiable yeah. cultural, that, that, societal people groups. That's absolutely true. But, but, you, but, but there the is. Jews, they're still the Jews there. kept going on. But it's not because of the Jews. It's because of God. Now, the point is, though, that's your physical But that's a picture symbol. of eternal life. It that's is. a picture. Uh, if yeah. the Jews go away, then God has canceled eternal life because he always gives a physical picture, just like it says in Hebrews about the ark on earth is a picture of what's in heaven. The same thing goes on with Israel and the Jews. It has really little, nothing to do with the Jews' ability to do it. It's about God. But the truth is, if Israel, if that promise is broke and they go away, then, frankly, we all have a lot more problems because that is the physical picture. That's the picture of eternal life. Yeah. And, and um, of course, and what the point we make over and over, I make at least personally, is that it's not, it's not that we have to <laughs> – it's so funny in a way that we think of sometimes as believers, as Christians, it, we're – Sometimes it's so we have such a passion and a love for and appreciation for Israel and, and what was done as we read the Hebrew scriptures and all. But and we oh, we just want all of Israel to trust. Like Paul says, I, my my heart's desire is that all of Israel would come to faith and know, understand. And, and, and of course, uh, in, in that sense, we think of Israel, you know, in a sense, converting or something to Christianity. But that's not the picture. That's not an accurate picture. We're the ones who've been grafted in. We have become Jews. We've become part of Israel. Well, that's you know, the, uh, that's an accurate way a, to see it. There's a couple of things that really is important to me that I really like to get to. So if you want sure. to do here, let's go to something else. Oh, let's, uh, you want to go, you want to get to Kings? Is no, that well, yeah, but, well, something yeah, you but want? Let's, uh, poor Harold's been waiting on okay, for 45 let's go with, minutes. Harold, how are you this evening? Good to talk to you. Hi, Silver Dollar and Jacob. I'm, I'm doing fine. You said don't uh, hang up, so I figured I got the last half hour. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I was driving home Friday uh, around 4 o'clock from work, and I heard you on the radio 
discussing the National Day of Prayer yes. that's supposed to come up pretty soon. And so I told myself, you know what, I'm going to call the Sophie Dollar. I'm going to, you know, I've still been going to the Barnes and Nobles and stuff a couple of times a week. It's mm-hmm. like a home away from home. And, uh, you know, they got good, good people working there. And, you know, you've asked a whole lot of questions and comments about the synagogue. And, you know, there, there is no place on earth like the synagogue to, to learn things. And that's why I like going there so much. And at the same time, there's no place like the Antioch Baptist Church with Pastor Kemp. But I love to go there and learn about the Bible. And the same thing with the Bible Live show. And it's just everyone getting together, studying the Word of God. It's just different platforms. And, you know, I love it all. I'm so grateful to be involved in in all of it. Um, I'm glad you're out so, there, too. Yeah, and, you know, I'm so glad to also. And, um, you know, a few times when I go to, uh, you know, the bookstore over there, I see some service guys in there, you know, from the Air Force, and I think about you and stuff. But, um, you know, um, but you were discussing about um, uh, uh, the synagogue, and you know what? I haven't called in a while, and, you know, I've been going through some stuff, but things have gotten so much better. But if you don't mind, I know. Really, we are, Harold. We're glad to hear it. I'm glad. Well, part of it was, well, but stabilized me was I went from a 12 to shoe size to put on my boys 14 foot shoe size and it made the biggest difference in the world so he took me to eri or rei shoes and uh, got me a pair but anyway you know what i've learned oh uh, i'll keep learning uh oh just uh, just one thing about the uh, the synagogue this weekend you know they were discussing moses you know we're getting at the end of deuteronomy that's about the best I can do with that. And, you know, and a couple of people were saying, what if he'd have lived another 20 years? And how much more could he have done? And and I actually raised my hand and I talked are you talking about with Jesus? the rabbi. Are you talking about Jesus then or Moses in Deuteronomy? Who, 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 Moses. If Moses. Moses lived yeah, years. Okay. Someone in the Bible study had said, what if he'd have lived another 20 years? And so I raised my hand and I told the rabbi in the class, I said, you know what? I said, we, we don't need to wait till we get to that point where we say, I wish we had another 20 years. Most everyone in this room, you know, has another 20 years to go. So, you know, we need to start now. Let's don't wait to that last minute. And I don't know, I, you know, I don't know what, you know, but I know you're running short on time. This one verse has uh, helped me out a lot, and I have a different meaning of it, probably. Uh, it's Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where it says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must, i got to pick up, turn the page on this big thing, you must turn from your selfish ways, take, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And to me, that means in sickness and in health, uh, when you're angry. To me, the, the cross at this point represents maybe our lives, maybe not, uh, maybe not all the good in our lives, but we just can't always feel good and be good, mm. but you have to keep following him. You know, life isn't going to be perfect. Our bodies aren't going to be perfect. And, um, you know, I thank God for, you know, Temple Bethel, Antioch Baptist Church, and Pastor Kemp. I do have to 
I do have to explain one thing. I have mentioned on the air that he was in the Air Force probably a half a dozen times, and a guy from work, Joseph, had told me, Harold, he's in the, he was in the Army, Colonel in the Army. <laughs> and I, I said, so I said, well, next time I call a radio show, I said, I'm going to have to straighten that out. Good for you. Well, you did it, and you, you – uh... You made the, several points there that are very interesting, uh, Harold, but we're glad to hear you're well and stabilizing and your experiences, especially in the Lord. And you got your, you set the record straight about uh, that colonel and the Army. Thanks for thinking of us, for call, and thanks for thinking of us out at Lackland. Keep us in your prayers. Out of all of that, Jacob, that Harold mentions there about the synagogue and, and, and the time, you know, I don't know about the idea of Moses. Anything you latch on to or would respond to? I'm, Oh, no, not really. I think he did a fine job. Um, I, I, I think the purpose of education is to make us larger, not smaller. And I think the more you learn, the better off you mm. are. Mm. I, affer- I found that what I, I always get suspicious of is when a person really doesn't know much, but they have definite opinions about mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. And all opinions are really not equal. My opinion about flying a plane is not the same as a pilot's opinion. Well, uh, I would say the same thing. I, a, a little bit. I can. I tried to fly a kite today with my grandson, and I, I couldn't I even fly a opinion, kite. I have an opinion about that. <laughs> I do too. And I, I can't do it. I need wind. But anyway, uh, thank you, Harold, for calling in, folks. You can join us as well. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let's go to Second Kings, Jacob, and let uh, you kind of get well, us started. The reason I want to say this is because it came up today in a discussion. And uh, there's actually, uh, since we've only got a little bit of time left, I'm just going to jump ahead to the real questions I really was hoping to get to. Good. Uh-huh. Uh, it's actually, you have three questions that actually tie in together. It's your number four, your number seven, and your number ten. Okay. So it says, uh, number four is, what is the final capital of Israel the northern of the northern ten tribes? There were a number. Of, it kind of moved around for a while, but it, this became the... The final capital before it was uh, destroyed by the right. Assyrians, I think, seven right. seven twenty two B.C. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's uh, the answer is in seventeen verse one. Okay. And then verse seven. The reason I'm tying these together is because they do tie together. And in seven, when Assyria conquered a nation, what did they customarily do with the inhabitants? Now. Uh, and uh, just for the interest of time, instead of waiting, if somebody wants to call and discuss it, that'd be fine. But. Uh, that would be, um, let's see, where have you, you got this? Um, Number seven? Yeah. Is, is that what you said? Yes. Ah, um, now, we're talking about Assyria. The, their capital was Nineveh. Remember, it was Jonah who was called to go and preach to them. Uh, other prophets uh, spoke of Nineveh and, and, and so on. Uh, but uh, Jonah is the most uh, well-known, I think. He was supposed to go up there and t- preach to Nineveh. He didn't want right. to. and. Right. It sparked a revival, actually, that set well, back God's it, judgment. It, what I'd like to deal with is I was actually discussing something with a couple fr- of your friends. Okay. And uh, and I said, you know, I don't want to be rude, but this it's a mythology that the reason that the Jews did not like the Sumerians uh, was because that they were supposedly mixed race. And I even noticed on your questions... Mixed, mixed race. Uh-huh. Yes, and that is absolutely, and pardon me for putting it so bluntly, but that's absolutely a slanderous mythology in the Christian church. Well, let's set it straight. And I'm going to read to you to the, the reasons, if I may. Please. It's in 17, 
verse six. Second Kings seventeen six. Oh gosh, I see the I, I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. The next question in the times of Jesus. Yes. Yeah, there oh, you go. We're gonna that go would to be next... uh, offensive, wouldn't it? Well, it's not just offensive. I, I, it's just I, wrong. It's wrong. That's the issue. And I know that that is said and taught. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says that. The truth is, this is the reasons. And may I read okay, a couple please, of verses? Yes. Seventeen six. It says, when they captured, uh, in Hosea's ninth year, when the king of Assyria captured Samaria, he deported the Israelites to Assyria and settled them in Haklak, and he names two or three cities, and, thi- and in the towns of Midia. This happened because the Israelites had sinned. I'll tell you that this happened because they had sinned against God. And, while, and how did they do that? It says they worship other gods. And then look at verse 8. It says, They followed the customs of the nations, which God had driven out of the, out before the Israelites, and their customs, which the kings of Israel had practiced. The Israelites... So when, God used the Assyrians in, in, in Nineveh, their capital, they, wait, that's, as an instrument of, of discipline, sure, of judgment. Sure, he, he, he hurt them real bad because he didn't like that. Right. So, so what happened is, the point is this. Now, when they got settled, the uh, the uh, Assyrians settled the Samarians. They they moved them to Israel. It had little or no nothing to do with uh, what's talked about today. Did you say when the Assyrians yes uh, uh, captured uh, whenever they whenever they captured a city, their way of destroying them or a people, they would transport them to another country. So they were I thought you, you just said to Jerusalem, though. Did, did well, you mean? Uh, well, let me read this. And it says, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. He deported uh, the Israelites to Assyria and settled them. And he names the places. And then he says, but he took the Samaria, Samarians uh-huh. and moved them to Israel. To the southern, to, try, to Jerusalem. Well, yeah, but to the, the, the point is, the point is uh-huh. this. It had nothing to do with mixed race. It had to do when they came. Uh, let me let me just read this next verse mm-hmm. to you in verse ten. Uh, it says, uh, "They set up pillars and asherahs on every high hill and under every leafy tree." Uh, and it said, "They worshipped idols." Go ahead. Not commanded. So w- this is about worshiping idols in Israel. It's about their false religion. Has nothing to do with people. In fact, I can tell you really quick. Uh, you know, Ruth, Book of Ruth. Uh huh. She's a Moabite. Was yes. she accepted by the Jews? And the answer is yes. yes. Uh, she is actually in the uh, ancestry of Messiah. Yes. yes. And David's man, one of his guys, was named Uriah. Do you want to wait till we come back? We better I'm, do that. Three four zero ninety five eighty five, and we're going to learn more about this idea of the Samaritans. And their uh, kind of the history, historical setting of the New Testament. Don't go away. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. 
For our final 30-minute segment, you could join us if you'd like. What was the final capital of Israel, the northern ten tribes? What was the final capital city that was destroyed in 722 B.C.? Uh, if you know the answer to that, it's found in, in 2 Kings 17, verse 1. And then when Assyria conquered a nation, they customarily, uh, with their inhabitants, and, and Jacob explained this one already, they would exile or resettle them often. Uh, and, and there's some details that I've heard at least preached to about it, Jacob. It had to do with mar- marching them long distances to resettle them in different yeah, but areas. That's true, but see, what I really want to stick to is dealing with this myth of the reason yeah, because yeah. what happened is they when they conquer people they would switch the lands with them okay let's so, stay on that so but the question is why would they do it because that made them they people have been put there they don't love that land they don't want to defend it. it's not theirs they're not familiar with it they want to go home so they're easy to control because it's not their land in the first place well we have another question here it says in the times of jesus and i'm going to go ahead and read it though you are debunking the basis of the question and i and i agree with you in times of jesus it says here devout jews hated the samaritans and, and that we got to reword that because that is not true but the, you're right that is the kind of the mythology we have in the that's been preached a lot from our sermons and, and, and pastors. Oh, the Jews hated the, the Samaritans and the, because of the, the racial aspect or ethnicity and so on. And, and what you're telling us is that they didn't hate them in the first place. And, and, but that if there was any kind of an antipathy, it, it, was beca- it wasn't ethnic or racial. It was religious. They were... Well, super, let's, let's just see. Is what that we, the point? Well, where, yeah, but let's just see what it says. Okay. Uh, in uh, chapter uh, 17, 17, verse uh, 28. Okay. They're talking about the Sumerians and their priests, their religion. Okay. It says, one of the priests deported from Samaria came and settled in Bethel. That's in Israel. Uh-huh. Um, he taught them how to worship God. However, each of the people made their own gods and placed them in the temples of altars which the residents of Samaria, Samaria had made, each nationality in the towns where they lived. And it goes on. And, and so they were establishing in Israel idols and their own religions. And that's the conflict. And, I, and I'll throw up for evidence of that is we got the Book of Ruth. She's a Moabite. She was easily accepted. We got David's men, one of his king, uh, two guy, uh, top guys, was Uriah the Hittite. And you can actually find that he's listed as one of his top guys in yeah. Samuel 23. And then we have... Rahab. We have Ra- 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 Rahab's a good example. From Jericho. As, but you got Jonah. Jonah, actually, there's no J in Hebrew. It's a Y. So it's Yonah, Yonah. And that means dove. Yes. So here's what we've got is we've got Jonah being sent to the Ninevites. And they were very, very bad people. Well, Jonah didn't want to go because he wanted them to get scorched. But the problem, <laughs> but uh, but he went. He, he, he had to get an unexpected and involuntary ride in a, a fish, but he went. He was convinced. Uh, yes. so, so Persuaded. He, so what he does, he goes and does that. Uh-huh. But isn't that interesting? Here's this Jewish guy, Jonah, and it talks about who his father was back in King. So he knows he's a priest. He comes from the priestly family. And he goes and he tells everybody to repent. They do. But look, these are not Jews he's going to. Now, this is one of the points that I want to make. It was always the understood goal to spread the word of God around the world. And the knowledge of the true and living God, the creator, yes. Now, here's what, this is interesting. 
On Yom Kippur, which is considered the Day of Atonement, that is the big day for the Jews of repentance and that kind of business. And what book do the Jews read on Yom Kippur out of anything they could read? They don't talk about Jews. They read the book of Jonah. Do they really? Is yes. that the, the, that's the passage that's the, identified with that the, festival. Yeah, the, not, not that just time. the whole book. The whole book. And why? Because that's about the rest of the world. And it's fascinating that that would be the book where all Jews, ever since it's been written, that they all read it around the world, the book of Jonah. That has to do with other people who are not Jews. So it wasn't a matter of them hating because of mixed race. race. That's just not true. Uh, unfortunately, as I say, and I know this may sound unkind, perhaps even pro uh, provoking, I don't mean to... No, no. But I, the I, truth is, that's a Christian myth. And I think it's because people, when they don't know the answer, they seem to want to know the answer, so they'll make it up as they have to. But like I was reading here, it says the, they, the, the Assyrians would always switch people. They put the Sumerians in Israel. They brought their own wells, their own gods. They brought everything. And so what happened is they were not liked by the Jews because they're going into Israel, which is supposed to be the land of God, and they're, not, and they're changing everything. And then we come forward to the time of, as you said in your question number 10, Jesus. And it says, well, why did they not like them? Well, they didn't like them because they're idol worshipers. So when people say, and let me tell you this. Well, that was the basis of Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman, uh -huh. too. It, it, there may have been a little bit of a, I mean, it, it's likely. I mm -hmm. think it, it is taught that, that might have, she might have been uh, a prostitute. She's well, coming in midday instead I'm going of the to, cool I'm, of the evening. I, I'm going to uh, not talk about the licentiousness because there's language in it yeah. as a double entendre. But it turned theological quickly. That was, quickly. that was the thing. It wasn't Jesus, a racial thing. Jesus slapped her down, you might say, verbally brought her back to something very sober and she he says may i have a drink she says and everybody knows this verse and she says well uh where's your cup uh, uh -huh. because and then i don't know why they do this but they translate it you jews have no doings with us now that sounds like i don't want to associate that is not not what it says in the greek do you know what it says he asked for I think he said dealings in some versions, no, too. No, it says this. Doings, okay. she, says, she says, where's your cup? Because you Jews do not use our vessels. Cause in other words, the Jews were using kosher. And the reason for that is because these, uh, all this stuff, temple, prostitutes, all that, and even using cups for other stuff, had to do with was permitted under the Sumerian religion. I see. So it actually says you do not use our vessels for some reason. If you're looking like the NASB, that's a very good translation. Bible, well, there'll be a little asterisk there. You look down at the bottom, and it says uh, do not use our vessels. It's not actually in there. Mm -hmm. So it had nothing to do with them not liking them. What they disliked. For racial reasons, for, for, racial, for yeah, ethnic. Yeah. That's right. It had to do with religion and idols and that kind of thing. In fact, everybody, and I, I must say. To I, which you were a little, you'd become a little sensitive about idolatry, right? As, as well, yeah, Israel. Sure. That, that's And what's happened is so the Jews were taken over to another country. The Sumerians were taken over here. And, you know, when people refer to it, I even see, you know, and I'm not saying something's wrong with it, but I want to suggest that a deeper meaning. When it says, like people say, I'm a good Samaritan. Uh -huh. Okay, you're a good Samaritan. When people say to, to me, oh, you're a good Samaritan, I say, well, I try to do good, but I am not an idol worshiper. <laughs> because the point of Jesus' story about the Samaritan, yeah. his story is, look, even idol worshipers can do good things. And he's saying, okay, it's a nice guy. 
he's a Samaritan. He worships uh, a pagan god and all that, but he's still doing something decent. That's the point. So the woman at the well is really, and, and there's some question about it. It's really a licentious conversation. Yeah. But well, the interesting thing about that, and even the uh, Good Samaritan, was that, uh, for example, this, the woman there at the well, the Samaritan woman, actually, it appears from the context that we read about, uh, where is that in uh, John? Chapter 4. 4. There seems to be not only her, not only a conversion, not only she rushes back to the right, town and says, right. "Come hear this man who told me everything I did." It, it could, isn't right. this the Messiah? And it seems like Jesus hung out with the people in that little village. I've right, forgotten the name right. of it. He did, but he there, could have. He when sparked he, a little bit route, of a spiritual revival there. There was actually a route that the Jews would take, not going through that part of Israel because uh-huh. of idol worshiping. But he intentionally went out of his way to take that route through there, so he could get to those people. And when he said, when he, he actually says uh, to the woman, I'm doing this from memory, so I'm s- surmising, he, he said something like, well, you know, there'll come a time when you'll never do it here. Because she says, well, you Jews, you worship over there. Jerusalem, we, we worship at this mountain over here. She's making a point about we have our own God, our own religion, but we're doing it in your land. And he says, in the most interesting line, he says, ma'am, there will come a time that you will not pray anywhere, anywhere not there, not here. And he says, salvation, this is a quote, salvation is by the Jews. Now, uh, and of course, you got he, Jesus saying this. So he's telling her, your false religion, all this stuff, because they allowed temple prostitution. They did a lot of things. Exactly. See, you're making that, Jesus was making the point, and you're, make, you're emphasizing it here, that it, he, he didn't come and try to create a new thing. Uh-huh. He's saying, Salvation is the Messiah, redemption. Right. Salvation comes through the Jews because it's all of one piece. The, the predictions, the worship, the, all of the revelation of the, the Old Testament scriptures and all, it, it moves. For, and it is, that is the true narrative. That is the true redemptive narrative. And, and, and then he says that there will come a time when those that worship God will worth him, worship, not even not here in this religious setting or that religious setting, but they'll worship him in truth and in spirit. Well, they tried. In fact, they actually created what we might call. Remember, I read that one line a minute ago. It says they were copying the customs of other nations. Yes. So it's not just in substance about the God himself. But if you use the way of worship of a idol and apply it to the God of Israel, that is a sin. If you take the, what God says about how to worship him and apply it to idols, that's a sin. So it's substance or using their customs. And I'll read you this verse. This is talking about the Assyrians. It's chapter, Where is it? In King, it no. It's Second Kings uh-huh. 17.32. Okay. It says, they, the Assyrians, worship God, but they also appointed priests for their local altars and from among themselves to perform their rites at their temple of altars. They worship God and serve their gods and do their practices of the nations. And this is still going on today. Uh And so what's going on is if you take... I mean, in the passage, I I just read the verse. And if you... That's right, the next passage. And this today is still following the heathen earlier practices. So what they're saying is is that these people, against their will, I might add, they were conquered and transported there, but they took their religion with them. The Jews were picked up, the ten tribes, and they were sent away. And I'm sure... It's very clear from that passage that the the source of 
the antipathy, the source of the conflict was not racial or ethnic, ethnic. It was, in fact, the sensitivity to perversion, to idolatry, to worshiping. And actually, it, there's a word we use uh, theologically now. Uh, it's called syncretism. It's right. where, in other words, you don't necessarily abandon uh, your faith in the true and living God in, in, in Judaism or in Christianity or whatever the religious term would be. You just sort of mix other practice into it. You you mix other practice. So you, you, you add elements of idolatry, elements of other uh, religious pagan practices to, right. the, to your the, And an the example today would whatever. be, and I'm not looking to start a fight, but okay. you know, it is what it is. Uh, you can't have uh, what they call a Christalama or the combining of like Islam and Christianity. But there I've are never po- heard of that. That's well, there's actually a term for it. Uh-huh. And there are some big churches that are trying to find this way to amalgamate and through synchronism make it the same idea that there's only one God. What's the problem? Just and put you it all have, together, yeah. You have this story saying there is a problem because you cannot worship the God of the Bible using these other methods. Conversely, you can't use God's methods on other idols. That's considered worshiping idols. So you have to have it in substance, the God of the Bible, and what he said, how you worship him. And it actually lays this out. So this, and I'm so sad to say, and I don't want to be antagonistic, but the truth is, sadly, it has become a mythology that the reason they didn't like him was something to do with the race. It had nothing to do with that because you can look, as you said, mm-hmm. at Rahab, Ruth, David's top guy, Uriah, was a Hittite. They were all accepted. Oh, over and over again. And even in the New Testament, you go to the, what happens there very quickly is Philip meets with a, 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 a fellow who's in Jerusalem. There you go. With, there, that's from a good story. An, the Ethiopian eunuch yeah, from Ethiopia. And, and immediately he's not, he's not Jewish, right. but he's, so the, the idea that, no, no, ethnicity or race was not the basis of, and, and yeah. I, I agree, I've, I've come to see that, that. Well, racism or that kind of racist that makes, was not a part me, of the Jewish I, I'm revelation. I'm be honest with you. It's, uh, it in always, fact, it was forbidden. I mean, they it, were called to say, embrace one of God's laws the, the is foreigner. to not uh, identify by the race, but by the religion. And so, uh, it, one of the things that breaks my heart is I know that's a very popular teaching, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I always hear this, and so many people tell me, this, and I'm sad to say many, many preachers mm-hmm. say this. And when I've had this discussion, I'll say, show me a verse, any verse that says what you're saying. And they can't because it's not there. Then I go to these verses and say, look, this is why. Can I, Let me ask you a question. In other words, it could be that as among any people, uh, uh, racism or the the tendency to judge other people by the skin color or their culture or their language or the uh, kind of the ethnicity or based on on race, uh, that is that's not that's a common human uh, fallacy. That's a common human sin, uh, a wickedness to do that. No matter what culture it's on to well, to judge uh, people on that basis. So uh-huh. what I'm saying is that. Uh, what I'm wanting to know is that could exist. There could have been a, a, an Israelite or a person of Israel in that era who was racist, well, who me, did feel let, that way. Let me, but let you're, me, what you're saying yeah. is it's not part of it's not God religious. Stuff. It's you're, not. You're making the distinction of a person having that attitude, and I'll agree to that. But it's not God's policy, and it wasn't culture wide. It wasn't no, well. It, it was. I mean, it was not. All Jews well, didn't hate the, all Samaritans. The laws of God forbid it. So God said no doing. 
But people are people. Yeah. Now, one of the truths is that we all tend to inherit our religion. It's People do switch in their lifetime sometimes, but we do inherit our religion. And so if you find, a, let's say, a group of people from a certain region of the world, they have their religion because that's what they grew up with, and they inherited it, just like Christians generally mm-hmm. inherit Christianity. They inherit the vocabulary, the, the general understanding, or whatever the degree of understanding So, of so the point is. is it's easy to identify another religion, perhaps, by the person's eyes or their skin color or something. So it's easy to identify because they tend to bring that type of thought with them. But uh, that's people. That's not God. And, and, and the best for, for us as followers of the true and living God, of, of Jehovah, the, the, the principle, we're not to do that. It's very clear from Scripture, and it's been clear for centuries and centuries. And um, what is it, Martin Luther King? That's the brilliant thing about it. He says that when there'll come a time when we won't judge people by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Right, you know, right. what, in other words, what people believe, what people think, their ideas. And I always want to say, we live in a culture now of, of political correctness, so we always tend to sort of placate and kowtow to the minority. But as you just said, that we'll live in a time by the uh, content of their character. Mm-hmm. That goes both ways. Mm-hmm. The Christian should be as respected as well as mm-hmm. the non-Christian, perhaps. And I think that's the point of Jesus' story. He says the Good Samaritan. The point of the story is a Good Samaritan is an idol worship, but they can do good things, and you ought to respect that. Not talking about their salvation or anything else. And then when the, in the story, when the priest passed by, the contradiction of the story is here's a guy that knows God's law and he's not doing the good deed. So he's saying, look, even an idol worshiper can do something good. A guy that knows better can do something bad. That's the point of the story. <laughs> well, that, that, and that's worth making uh, that point, particularly, I would say, as we move into <laughs> and I don't really uh, I, I love the book of Kings. I love the record of the Kings. I love the stories. I love the lessons that we learn from it. And I think it's an important, you've just kind of made, I was going to comment while I go, it looks like you're, you're building a little bit of, bit of a bridge between uh, in your comments that you, from the historical perspective about the Samaritans and about the, how they, uh, the Ninevites, how they, you know, resettle their people groups and so on. You're building a bridge of understanding about the history of that era that helps make sense of the New Testament uh, setting as well. And so you've kind of done a bridge. I wonder if Kings doesn't kind of naturally lead into Acts, the book of Acts. But um, I think as we move into the book of Acts, Jacob, that that is a perspective well, that we really interest, is necessary. Yeah, only we need. in the interest of time. There's uh-huh. something I talked to you today about. You know, look, in the... Uh, Old Testament in the Tanakh, uh, Passover occurs. Mm-hmm. Fifty days later, Good. we have the Ten Commandments given. Now, okay, Passover, yeah. and then fifty days later, uh, are, you t- are you talking about at Sinai? Yes. Uh, oh, after pa- that's where we get the fifty days. That's where you get the fifty days. From the time they had their first Passover in Egypt, then they came out of Egypt. Right. And, and fifty days later, at Mount Sinai, they get the Ten Commandments. Okay. okay. Now, so it's fifty days. However, interesting. They give you the date of Passover in Exodus. They do not give you the date of when the Ten Commandments was given. Of Pentecost. Pentecost. Oh, oh, no, oh. Pentecost is fine. That's fine. Okay. But so it's 50 days. Pentecost means 50 days. So they're saying, okay, well, so it's 50 days later. But it says you have to count the days. The reason it's written like that is so you can never separate getting the Ten Commandments from Passover. Now let's switch to the New Testament. 
Jesus we know. We know the date of Passover because Jesus, it says, was crucified on Passover. Now, when we get to the book of Acts, it says Pentecost. In fact, uh, chapter 2, yes. verse 1 says Pentecost. That means 50 days. Now, here's my question. I wish somebody had told. <laughs> I wish we had time. Yeah, this is But why? Where is the 50 days? Do you just count them? Or do you not? Well, I remember a mention of 40 days well, I'll that fact, Jesus... Fact, uh, I'll read that to you, uh -huh. and I'm only doing it because of time. But it says, uh, it's chapter 1, verse 3, it says, uh, By many people appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Okay, there's 40. But where do we get the missing 10 to get it up to the Pentecost 50 days? Now, are we just counting? Well, I'm gonna, just in the interest of time, I'm going to answer he spent three days. Well, there are three days in the grave, right? That's right. So now we got 43. Where's the other seven days? You'll find it in chapter 1, verse 12. And it says, They went to a place, Mount Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. And it says, A Sabbath day's journey. Now, that's 112. Well, I looked up all the Christian commentaries, and they all say, that's how far a Jew can travel on the Sabbath. That's not what that means. I've heard that, too. Well, yeah. that's, Acts that's, 1.12. But then you don't have 50 days. Right, exactly, yeah. So you got the three days in the tomb, the 40 days walking around, and Sabbath day journey is how far you can travel from one Sabbath to the next Sabbath, the seven days. So it's 7 plus 3 plus 40 is 50 days, and that matches what happened with Passover and getting the Ten Commandments. And in the New Testament, you have the 50 days, Pentecost, chapter 2, verse 1. Very interesting. And so you've got the same thing. And what happens on this anniversary of the 50 days from Passover? It's uh, You get the Holy Spirit, you might say. Yes. Uh, so the point is that it doesn't give you a date like it does for Passover in Exodus or in Acts. So the point is this, is that you can never disassociate Passover from the Holy Spirit, as you cannot disassociate Passover from receiving the Ten Commandments. That's why it doesn't give you dates. That's interesting. It says that, uh, even in this version, the modern version, said, then the apostles, this is after the ascension. Jesus ascends into heaven. Yes. And then he says uh, uh, he t to go to wait into Jerusalem and wait. Uh, he'd been, they commanded to do that. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. And it says, uh, from the, it, we're talking about the Mount of Olives, I guess, right? Yes, yes. A distance of half a mile. Yes. Now, it, there is an asterisk. It says, a, dis, a, a Sabbath day journey. Uh -huh. And what you're saying is that w instead of being the distance that one could uh, travel on, on the, the Sabbath, Sabbath day, uh -huh. what that means is that a seven, they it, took seven days. From the evening of sunset Saturday until the sunset Friday is going to be seven days. And how far I could go in one week is a Sabbath day journey. It's not how far a Jew walk can walk on a day. So that gives us seven. You got three in the grave. You got 40 walking around in verse chapter 1, verse 3. 40 plus 3 plus 7 is 50. Why That's do they why. say a distance of half a mile? Because Would that be that distance? Because that they're, trying, they're trying to understand, in all fairness, and they're thinking that the Jews are limited on how far they can walk on a Sabbath, on a Saturday. Uh -huh. So they're interpreting it that. They really don't know that's not what it means. A Sabbath day journey is, i got seven days to travel. Okay. And, and so if, they were, if they were at Mount of Olives, which yeah. actually is a half mile from Jerusalem, I mean, yeah. it's, it's right... Why would that take seven days? We don't, it doesn't matter why it would take seven days, does it? I mean, the fact that 
somehow. Well, all we know for sure is it said a Sabbath. Seven day days later, they met. It actually met. says from even the Greek is a Sabbath day journey. Uh-huh. Well, everybody knew at that time of Sabbath. Even today, uh, Sabbath to Sabbath. If a Jew is traveling, he stops on the Sabbath and does his prayers. Mm-hmm. But so it's seven days. Now, if you don't have that, you don't have Pentecost. And look at chapter right, two, I verse get it, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says on Pentecost, fifty days. Pentecost, penta, fifty. Cost days, fifty days. So it has to be fifty days, and it doesn't give us a date because we yeah. know the day from Exodus of Passover. So you have to count it this way. You are not supposed to separate Passover and when the Holy Spirit arrived. And if you don't do it, you don't come up with 50 days. Exactly. You have to have some understanding. Well, thanks, Jacob. That was really helpful. I like it. Well, you can ponder it, folks. You can think about it, research, do your own thoughts. It seems to make sense of the passage, and it does uh, arithmetically, in the arithmetic sense, it helps us understand the 50 days. So glad you're with us tonight. Had a good time discussing from 2 Kings. Next week, we'll continue on through the book of Acts here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.